is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel's Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. God uses sickness and trials for our benefit. He actually uses them for our benefit. They're good for us. I've heard individuals say, whenever something comes upon them, they'll say, you know, I have known the Lord my whole life. I have loved God. I've spent time in His Word. Man, His Word is so rich. However, I have never known the level of intimacy with the Lord I've had until I went through this period of time. I've never known it until I went through this. And then they would say, it has made the Word of God and His presence more real in my life than it's ever been before. That doesn't sound all that bad. Psalm 119.71 says this, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Have you been facing trials in your life recently? Regardless of whether your answer is yes or no, it's important that you realize trials are good for you. If you live your life without facing any challenges, road bumps, or hurdles, you won't be compelled to grow as a person, and a life without change is a life lacking. As you listen to Pastor Troy's teaching today, ask yourself, how can I go through trials in life with a mindset of growth? We're not promised an easy life, but growth leads to a satisfactory one. Now here's Pastor Troy in John chapter 11 as he begins his message, Intense Discipleship with Jesus. John chapter 11 verses 1 through 16, talk about intense discipleship with Jesus. Let me read something. It says, a mechanic was removing a cylinder head from the motor of a Harley Davidson motorcycle when he spotted a well-known heart surgeon in his shop. The surgeon was there waiting for the service manager to come take a look at his bike when the mechanic shouted across the garage, Hey, Doc, can I ask you a question? The surgeon, a bit surprised, walked over to where the mechanic was working on the motorcycle. The mechanic straightened up, wiped his hand on his rag, and asked, So, Doc, you see this engine? The engine is like the heart of the bike. What I do is I open its heart, take out the valves, clean things, repair any damage, and then put it all back together. When I'm finished, works just like new. As I see it, it's a lot like what you do. Now, with that said, no disrespect, but how come you get paid so much more than I do when we're really doing basically the same thing? And the surgeon smiled, leaned over, and whispered to the mechanic, try doing it with the bike still running. You see, it's a lot different working on a motorcycle than a human being. You know, a motorcycle, oh, the part's not in. All right, just, hey, we can't fix it. Come get it in a few weeks. You can't leave a body on the table for a few weeks while you wait for a part. You've got to move. You've got to work. It's a life. Well, Jesus, fortunately, specializes in human beings. He knows how to work on us and in us. He knows what we need to shape us and to build us, to make us stronger and to humble us. 
He knows what we need. Chapter 11, Jesus transitions from public ministry teaching. He's been teaching whoever comes and whoever's willing to listen. But now he begins to transition to private teaching. He's focusing on his disciples now. Those who are all in, those who he had called, who've been walking with him. And he begins to focus on discipling the disciples. They need it, after all. And this is some intense discipleship with Jesus. Today, we'll see a friend dies. And we're going to discover, too, that it's part of his discipleship program for the disciples. They need this. They need to experience it. They need to see it. They need to go through this. Because God has a plan. In fact, this will be one of the most important lessons the disciples will learn. It's the idea of resurrection. They need that tucked away. Remember the theme of John, belief. So the first half of John's gospel has shown us who Jesus is, his nature, his works, his teachings. We've been watching him throughout his ministry. It covers a few years of ministry. The second half of John's gospel, beginning in chapter 12, will focus on the last 48 hours of Jesus' life and ministry. It focuses. Why? Because of the most important events in Jesus' life, we see that they are the sacrificial death and resurrection of Jesus. So this intense lesson the disciples learn here is going to help prepare them for the intense things that they are about to experience. So, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha, It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So they sent others to go seek the Lord and give him this message. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So the first thing let's talk about is Jesus' friend dies. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they live in Bethany, which is about a mile and a half outside of Jerusalem, just on the other side of the Mount of Olives, very, very close to the area where you would hang out and spend time in the Garden of Gethsemane at the Mount of Olives. And whenever he would come into town, he always spent time with them at their home and around them because of their location. So he was very, very close to them. They were very, very close to him. Uh, It was good to have Jesus as someone you were very close to, right? I mean, there were those who would reach out, the woman who reached out and said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be healed. Okay, that's fine. There's lots of people like that going after him. Hey, Lord, I know I don't deserve you come under my roof. But these guys, like, that's my friend. I walk with Jesus. I'm close to him. And so you'd figure you have an advantage. So they send, send to Jesus, you know, go to him, tell him his, the friend that he has, the one who he loves is sick. Their appeal is based though, not on, it's not based on, hey, Jesus, you stay at our house all the time. So can you give us some favor here? We're your friends. Can you give us a little extra favor here? It's not that. They appeal to his love for Lazarus. The one you love, he's sick. They appeal to his love. Something that we all need to understand, and I think we get it, but we really need to understand this, is that God loves us. The Lord loves us. Even 
though he loves us, we who he love get sick and even die. Even though he loves us. Why? Well, one, because we are human. And that's part of the fall. It's part of the sinful nature. Ever since the fall of mankind, nature has been prone to disease, disaster, and deterioration. We all feel the effects. As you age, you get older, you go, I can't wait for heaven. (laughs) You start to realize it more and more. Not only that, but friends, parents, people start to pass away and they go and they're in heaven. And you go, man, I... Man, I'm kind of, I got more friends in heaven than here now. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that because this is not our home. And we know that. Walter Martin, the great apologist, used to say, everyone dies of his last disease because we are all prone to death. There was a movement, I think it's still around, the faith movement, which tries to deny this. They say, you know, if you have enough faith, you'll be healthy, you'll be whole, you'll be rich. If you have enough faith, you'll have it all. But I would push back on that with them, and they're, they're my own test case, and that is this. If that's true, why do you wear glasses? It's a lie. We're not promised to be spoiled kids who get everything their way. We're promised that when difficulties come, he'll be with us. Which, by the way, is a far greater promise. I'd rather have him with me in a trial than to be okay with a dad who never spends time with me. In fact, any kid will tell you that. They'd rather have discipline in a home with dad there than have a dad who just isn't around but sends him a card or money every now and then. We have an active father who's involved in our life, who loves us. So, the pushback... You know, why wear glasses if that's true? And why don't you just do it by faith? How about the hair? You know, if it was by faith, but it's just not that way. So one, because we're human. Two, God uses sickness and trials for our benefit. He actually uses them for our benefit. They're good for us. I've heard individuals say, whenever something comes upon them, they'll say, you know, I have known the Lord. My whole life, I've loved God. I've spent time in his word, man. His word is so rich. However, I have never known the level of intimacy with the Lord I've had until I went through this period of time. I've never known it until I went through this. And then they would say, it has made the word of God and his presence more real in my life than it's ever been before. That doesn't sound all that bad. Psalm 119.71 says this, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. Because the truth is, sometimes we don't let things in until we go, okay, I'm listening. That hurt. And then we finally listen. Sadly, we take some time. We're a little stubborn. And it takes us getting to that point, and God knows. And so it can be good for us. It gets our attention. But three, God uses sicknesses for the benefits of others. See, as Christians, when a Christian goes through times of of difficulty, trial, or suffering, the world and others are watching and going, how are they going to react now? Sure, Mr. Christian, when everything's going well and everything's going lovely and, oh, you got your church friends and you got kumbaya and hallelujah and all that after church. But what about when things are going not so well? How are you going to act now? And they're watching. You see, when the world watches us suffer in the same afflictions that they experience, in the same things that they go through, 
Not, I'm not talking about consequences of sin. You know, I've stuck my finger in the light socket. Oh, no, I'm going to suffer for Jesus here. I'm going to show you how he... No, that's a, that's, yeah, that was dumb. You didn't have to go through that. But there are things that happen. I mean, just think of how frail we are when there are microbacteria or viruses that take a huge man down. You're sick, crying like a baby. And there you are, helpless. That's how strong we are. So what we do is we learn that we're, under, we're not under our strength. We're under his timetable and his plan. And so the world looks at us and wonders, well, when you're in that situation, how do you react? Do you really trust the Lord? There's much more to learn from today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. So be sure to stay tuned for the next part of Pastor Troy's message. Building on the Solid Rock is the radio ministry of Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel Solid Rock in San Antonio, Texas. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our weekly services on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. for a time of worship and learning from the Word of God. You can also come by on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for our in-depth Bible study. Learn more about the church and find directions at our website buildingonthesolidrock.com That website again is buildingonthesolidrock.com We hope we see you there. Now here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. And so they begin to evaluate and take inventory and your light begins to shine brighter than on the good days. You know a diamond is more brilliant when there's a dark back ground. You can see the brilliance of the diamond all the more clearly. And so very often our shining is more brilliant in the darker times. The world sees that. When Jesus says in verse 4, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He's going to be glorified. He's going to be exalted. They're going to recognize he has some great power and authority is what the point is. He's not saying though, Lazarus isn't going to die. This is just happening so I can be glorified. No, Lazarus is going to die. In fact, Jesus will make that very clear. But what he's saying is there's a purpose for this. And Lazarus, ultimately, he's not going to be dead. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Second, Jesus' foresight directs. Jesus' foresight directs him. He knows. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's coming. And he knows what his plans are. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that he was sick... Well, he didn't go right away. He stayed back two more days. Wait a minute. That doesn't work together all that well. Doesn't sound right. He waited. No, love to me is, hey, so-and-so, they're hurt. They're they're, they're sick. Oh, no, let's go. Now, that's what I would say looks like love. That's what I think looks like love. Not, really? Well, give me two days. (sighs) That doesn't seem like love. I remember when we had our first baby. I was following the rules and kept my wife away from the doctor far too long because they gave me, well, only when they're this far apart, then you come consistently. I guess too many people come too soon, so they were trying to be careful. I was the wrong person to be careful with. 
And so they gave me the strict, and I'm like, okay, you were there for four of them, but not the fifth one. She wore herself out. When we got in, they had to put her on something to rest her. She goes, yeah, she's ready to deliver, but we're going to have to rest her so she gets her strength back. I wore her out. (laughs) It was not good. No wonder Joshua came out the way he did. Oh, he's a great son. He's a great son. It was a difficult delivery. But our third child, well, we were almost late for the delivery. We're like, okay, you're going to, okay, you you got another errand to go? Okay, I'm going to finish this thing, and then we'll head it. Yeah, we were both in agreement. No problem, man. We'd been there. No big deal. And we got there, delivered. It was like, great. This is awesome, man. I wish this was like the first one. You know, the first one was like this. But after a while, you get used to it. You have a little foresight. Well, Jesus has foresight. He's not worried. (gasps) So-and-so's dying. All right, I'm going to be there in a couple of days. <gasps> what? That's, not, that's unloving. No, I, am, I know everything. Everything Jesus does is loving. Everything he does is motivated by his love, and nothing else motivates him. He's loving. Even his judgment is in love. Now, his judgment is in love because he said, here's the promise I have for you, and here, salvation is yours. It's free. So when judgment comes down, It would be unloving for him to go, I know you guys received me, you followed me, you died sooner than you might have if you hadn't followed me, but I'm you know what I'm just gonna let everybody in. You didn't have to do that. That would not be loving. That'd be very deceptive. He's not like that. You put your trust in him and your life changes and you're his for all eternity. And it's the best place to be. When judgment happens, it's never his fault. It's the fault of the person who would not take the hand, who would not take the free gift for whatever reason. But Jesus has foresight, and he sees all of these things, and he doesn't rush, and parents know about this. I mean, think about it. As a parent, if you've been a parent, there are certain times where your child's about to do something, and you go, okay, no, 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 just wait, just wait. And you let, you let them go through the process, and then you're there for them, and then you can do the, I told you, see, I told, then you can come in and tell them that. Now, I'm not talking about they're running out in traffic, and you go, oh, oh just wait, watch, the car's going to hit them, they'll, they'll, they'll learn. We don't do that. We just know how to do it, right? You've been there. there You've got to let certain things happen for lessons. Well, the Lord is the author of life. Is there anything he can't let his kids go through and go, it's, we're going to be fine. I got you. Isn't it about this life anyway? It's about what's to come. So I got this. And he does everything because of his love. Have you ever experienced God's delay in your life? I mean, if you're human at all, your timetable is not his. My timetable is now. In fact, Christian, our timetable is usually, Lord, just if it hurts at all, remove me. Ooh, that hurts. Get me out of here. Ooh, that's sad. Get me out of here. Just mountaintop to mountaintop. Constant smiles, you know? But that would never teach us anything. And God knows that. So let me make it clear to you. God's delays, they are always done out of love. Not because he's late. He's never late. He always knows what he's doing. And he has a purpose. What you don't see, what I don't see, is the big picture. He knows the big picture. 
He knows what he's doing. He knows the soul of a person and he knows what he's doing with each individual in any given scenario. And he's working on more than just the one. We're praying for that person. Well, God's working on you too. Why don't you answer my prayers, Lord? We're praying for them. They're, they're hurting. He's working on you at the same time. He's working on lots of people and he knows what he's doing. He knows what people will want to do, what they'll choose to do. He knows all of that. And he's working together an intense discipleship program tailor-made for each one of us. So the human perspective is worldly. Bless me here. Bless me now. Give me this. Fix them, Lord. Do this. Keep any pain away from us. But the Lord is not looking at what will just benefit us here because some of his people die here Die in the midst of serving him here. Could have lived better, richer lives here, but they sacrifice and serve him and die younger than they might have here because he is more concerned about the eternal and preparing us for there. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9 say this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As Christians, we can kind of get insight into his thoughts, but trust me, we are a long ways away from understanding his thoughts. We would be the biggest or most wealthiest or we'd have the most online hits if I understood all the whys of the Lord. I say, well, here's why the Lord's doing stuff. We would be packed because we have a lot of questions. Why? 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 Why would he do? I don't understand why. Does it make sense why? He's God. I don't know, but He sees the end from the beginning, and I have to trust that. There was a painter who was at a church, and uh, he was an art did a picture, and what he would do is he would just take some paint and just slap it up there, and with his hands just move things around. And I was watching it for a little bit, and I thought. That's a ministry? I could do that. I chose the wrong ministry. This is like, I could do that. My kids could do that. Anybody could do that. Why does he get to do that? And then at the very end of it, he turns the painting right side up. I didn't know it was upside down. But he turns the painting right side up, and then it's like clear. It's the face of Jesus with the halo of thorns. And you go, wow, I did not see that coming. And it wasn't even until he flipped it over, because I'm still looking at the mess, and then it flips it, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Now that I didn't know. I couldn't do that. <laughs> see, the problem is we think we know how to figure things out. We've been taught logic. So we think we can figure things out, and the Lord shows us, oh, that was upside down? Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I know that was part of what you could do. Yeah, I can do miracles. There are things you don't think about that I got. You got to learn to trust me and trust my way. See this painter guy? He knew where he was going the whole time. I just sat back and thought, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Well, I mean, good business. And somehow he got the gig. But other than that, (laughs) and then I realized, wow, he knew all along where he was going. It's like the Lord. God has a plan. And a big part of his plan is not necessarily the results you may be looking for. His plan is a discipleship plan. 
It's a program to build your faith, those of you who are His. To build your faith. So His delays are not always His denials. Sometimes they're His discipleship program. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Troy's teaching in the book of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. There you'll also find an archive of previous messages from Pastor Troy, as well as information about this radio ministry, Building on the Solid Rock. You might be interested in the church behind this ministry as well, Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to meet you and have you come be a part of our weekly services. For the latest service times, please visit our website. You'll find a link to Calvary Chapel Solid Rock at buildingonthesolidrock.com. From all of us on the production team at Building on the Solid Rock, we'd like to say thank you for tuning in today. We pray you continue to seek God during these times of uncertainty and that you explore what He wants to teach you in His Word. Join us again as Pastor Troy continues sharing from the Gospel of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come.